right, here we are, another episode of Keo Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne. I am your host, and it is my job to unpack these stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I'm chatting with Jeremy, who is an award-winning actor, producer, and host of popular media, including film, television, and podcasts. As someone living with a genetic disease called cystic fibrosis, Jeremy is passionate about shifting the perspective and stigma around chronic illness and death. Using humor and frank, unfiltered discussions, Jeremy speaks to living critically and passionately and making the most of the time we do have left here on this planet. Such a great conversation with someone I truly respect. I really hope you enjoy it. He offers a real different perspective than most of us are used to living with. So enjoy this. I want to send a special thank you to Jesse Heyman from episode 69 who made this conversation possible. This podcast is brought to you by Minimalism Life. A simple life is one with less stress, less stuff, and more purpose. We love these guys because they publish awesome content on a weekly basis about minimalism as a tool to help you be more focused and feel more fulfilled. Check them out at minimalism.life. And don't forget, all of these awesome guests end up in our journaling app and mental fitness tool, Keo, to help guide you through your daily reflection. Take it for a spin in the Apple App Store and let us know what you think. Have the absolute best day yet. So, Jeremy, first question for you same question that every guest gets and it's um it's a very mild one it's who are you or what defines you (laughs) that is the least mild question (laughs) i think i've ever been asked who are you oh man um well i am a i'm a clown love it yeah i'm a clown i'm a uh i'm a clown that is far too emotional, uh, uh, who is trying to navigate his way through the world and really just make the most out of the time that I, I know that I have left, which I don't, I don't think is much. Um, I am, that is, it's so, it's such a hard question, but honestly, I, yeah, I'm, I honestly, I'm a clown. I think I, I think that is the, 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 if I was to say one thing, it would be that. Yeah. Well, so, and the reason I ask that is just so that, you know, the, the standard answer is, is always, you know, what you do. Right. 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 So, uh, and we'll get into that. Yeah, obviously. sure. But the fact that you answered that in, in that way, I mean, just having done the research, really everything around the majority of your work, there's so much centered around humor. Totally. Right. hundred percent. And I'll never forget, like, so I, I started listening to Sick Boy probably a few months ago before we were, we were we were introduced, but just doing the research, I was curious to see, like, from episode one to some of the most recent episodes, the, like, the evolution or if anything mm. from the feel or theme of it changed. And, and I have to say, pleasantly, um, the vibe is, is is the same. It's so cool from like the the initial chat on the brain like brain cancer. Yeah, right. And I remember I was in my car just I was I was laughing and I'm like, holy shit, like how am I laughing you know, when the topic is so serious? And that's I feel like that that is an art. 
like where has humor like where did this humor come from before we get into all that like where did did that come from in your life um you know it's a good question i i i i think part of it probably comes from my father okay you know he's a my my whole family we're all from newfoundland if you've ever met most newfoundlanders for whatever reason just happen to be very uh uh like happy-go-lucky, say happy. pr- pretty, yeah. pretty, like laid back, um, and they they all they all tend to be very um, passionate storytellers, and that's my dad through and through. I mean, the guy loves to tell a story, and he's kind of the life of the party. Um, he he is he's also a total clown, and <clears throat> he's very funny, and he always he always has been and always was. But but my father also like he was never a big consumer of of media. Okay. Whereas growing up, I really was. And, and so I think a combination of like coming up around my father, plus my love for film, um, sort of led me down this path where, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, my, my, my heroes were people like, um, you know, Jim Carrey yeah, or, or Adam Sandler or, or George. I mean, I loved George Carlin. Like I really enjoyed stand up. Um, and those were the people that I looked up to. Those were the people that, you know, I would read their books. I would watch their, their sketches. I'd watch their stand up. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd watch their movies. And, and I think unbeknownst to myself back then, the, the, their humor or what they brought to my life, you know, through, through laughter. Yeah. It played a huge role in, in my, my own personal therapy in For in sure. life and so i i'm i guess it sort of brushed off on me i don't know yeah you know i it i don't think it was a conscious thing but it's as there long, yeah it's there yeah, it's and as long there. as i can remember i've always been that sort of that same kind of guy that goofy you know totally willing to push the boundaries totally willing to get in trouble just for the laugh you know if if, if i could make someone laugh it was the best feeling in the world and so, uh, so yeah, it just has always been like an integral part of my life. Well, and it's vice versa, right? And it's uh, it's funny we were we were chatting before we hit record about the the contact uh, at Just for Laughs. Uh, mm-hmm. Who his name's Armin, and people can research that he has an episode on Keo. <laughs> and his line was, you know, if I'm if I'm not learning, I'm laughing. If I'm not laughing, I should be learning. And that mm. that's kind of his philosophy. I love that. And it's it, it makes sense. And and like the laughter. It's like one of those things, I think Tony Robbins says it, like you can't be upset and grateful at the same time. And I feel like you can't be laughing and pissed off at the same time. You know, I, I would, I don't know. I, I would beg the differ there. I, I feel like you can, I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like laughter is one of those, one of those very interesting things where it can come out in the most, in the most inopportune moments. And I think it can like, it can also... Um, it's like an, it's like an ingredient that goes with every other emotion, you okay, know, like, I, I mean, I'm, I know times where I've been furious in the middle of a like fucking fight with my wife. Just can't believe what both of us are, are throwing at each other. Yeah. And I'm, I am really legitimately angry. And then all of a sudden I start bursting into laughter and I, I don't want to be laughing cause I, I'm angry, but then the laughter, okay. but you know, maybe you're right. I, I don't want to be laughing. But it, it something but it's still shifts. there. It's still there. Totally right. Yeah, I the can't. anger's still there. Yeah, but the laughter's there. And like you, you, I feel like you can. 
I don't know. It's 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 one of those. It's it. What is laughter? It's not an emotion. What the fuck is it? Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what it is. But it, it's. I feel like it's so close to all of the different emotions that we yeah. feel. That's a good point. You know, that is a good point. I don't know. All right, so let let's talk a little bit about your story. Sure, and um, maybe share a little bit about obviously uh, you know cystic fibrosis, and 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 that's obviously part of your life. Mm-hmm. And is your life. Um, and then just how these, these podcasts came about or this, this type of work where again, the humor really links into all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I was, I was born, uh, in 1998 or 1988, sorry. Um, and, uh, we were born in, born in Newfoundland. Uh, but by the time I was 18 months old, my parents were informed that, uh, I had what's called cystic fibrosis and basically a cystic fibrosis or, or from here on known as CF, yeah. uh, is a genetic disease. So my mom and dad were carriers of the gene, but they had no idea. And so they created me and I had it. Um, and it's, it's for people who don't know what CF is, it's a multi-organ affecting disease that primarily affects the, the lungs or the respiratory system. And essentially what's happening is my body doesn't have the ability to clear out fluid like a normal body or mucus. And so all of my organs or many of my key organs are sort of um, clogged up with this fluid. And in terms of my lungs, this this fluid buildup uh, provides this breeding ground for bacteria. And that bacteria leads to, um, leads to a lot of coughing, leads to a lot of scarring or fibrosis of the lungs. Mm. And so most people who live with CF, uh, over their, the span of their lifetime, the lungs start to give out, the lung function drops, and eventually they just stop working. And then you have two options, die or hopefully, maybe, get a new set of Transplant. lungs and kind of start from scratch. Okay. Sort of. Yeah, that starts from scratch in big quotations. So I was born with CF, and, uh, and... When my parents found out, we basically uprooted our entire life, moved to Halifax, Nova Scotia to be closer to the IWK, which is a really kick-ass children's hospital. And that's where I grew up. And CF was a huge part of my life, but also kind of in the background. You know, I was I was a pretty healthy kid. My parents forced me into physical activity. I was I was an athlete my entire life growing up. Um, and and you know, physical activity is super important for people with CF uh, to keep okay. the lungs healthy. It's it's not like asthma. It's it's kind of the opposite. Like you want to you want to train them the shit out of your lungs to like keep them going. Gotcha. You know? um, so that was a huge part of my life, and and uh, paddling actually was was where I was heading. Like I was a oh, okay. sprint canoeer and uh, trying out for the Canada Games team. I you know my, in my mind I was going to the Olympics. That was my life, and then I suffered a knee injury and had to stop paddling altogether. And it was around high school when this happened, and I was uh, in a kind of a slump. I was really bummed out, and I had a friend of mine at the time, Ryan Oxner. If you're out there listening, uh, I had all this free time now that I wasn't training. And Ryan was like, "Well, you should come after school and uh, imp- try out for the improv team." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll give it a shot. You know, it sounds fun. I like drama. I've been taking drama. It's you know, easy credit. Also, like to goof around." So I went, tried out for the improv team, and immediately like fell deeply in love with the art of improv. 
and so it was competitive improv. We we ended up going to nationals like that year, and uh, that that it was like a total life shift where I went from an athlete to to focusing my entire life on performance. Okay, and um, from that moment forward, I I went to Ryerson University to become an actor. That was my sort of I wanted to, I wanted to act. I really fell in love with the art of acting. And throughout, uh, throughout that, I, you know, I, I had a career in acting, film and television, stage work. It was really fun. But fast forward all the way to uh, three and a half years ago, um, the acting work had kind of dried up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And so I was again in this sort of slump. It was like, what, do I, what did I do with my life? I went, to, I went to university. I spent all this money to learn a, an art form that I need to rely on other people to allow me to do. You know, I can't pick up a guitar and play and feel like, yeah, today I did it. Yeah, yeah. Or I can't like pick up my paintbrush and hit the canvas and go, yeah, I feel good about what I did. If I wanted to do that, I would have to go to the street corner and bust out a soliloquy and, and look like the fucking crazy guy <laughs> yeah, on the street, exactly. right? So I was kind of in this uh, depress- depressive state. And it was around the same time that I was hanging out with a couple of my very close friends, Brian, Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. And we were talking about projects we could start together. And at the time, I had been um, binge listening to several different podcasts. And I had this idea for a podcast where um, we just talk to people who are living with illness. But the the catch is that it's a comedy podcast. So the yeah. you know the general idea was like, let's talk to people who are sick, but let's let's focus on like the funny aspects of what that's like. Yeah, because I have CF, I've. I've found humor in, in the experiences that I've had. So I want to know what, what other people have, have experienced in, in their life. <clears throat> and so I told the guys and they were like, well, let's record one right now. Let's try it out. Okay. We sat down that evening, recorded a, a one hour conversation with the three of us where they were the guest hosts and I was the guest. And then we were going to like swap it out so that, you know, the next time I had a guest in, it would be me and them. Okay. Um, funny episode. Everyone should listen to yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. And so, well, that's the thing is we went back that evening and we listened. And when we listened back, we were like, oh, interesting. Like, I feel like we're kind of onto something here. You know, it was the first time we heard a conversation surrounding the topic of illness that wasn't just a complete bummer. It was very funny. and But it was also really educational. Well, it's the questions that many of us want to ask that you guys just flat out ask all the questions you ever want to ask a sick person exactly you know um no holds barred you know you don't feel like you you're you're gonna you know hurt anyone's feelings it's like i'm here to talk about it let's talk about it ask whatever you like and so but we also realized you know we're three best friends we have a very dialed in dynamic you know maybe this was a fluke so so we were like could we can we do this again but with somebody else who's sick with something else and, and like, would it work again? So we put our heads together and we were like, who's the sickest person we know. (laughs) And uh, at the time it was my friend, Matthew, Matthew Amiot. And he, he had just recently uh, had a, had a surgery to remove a brain tumor. And so I called Matt up and I was like, Hey dude, we're doing this thing, talking to people about their illness uh, I know this is all recent for you, but like, do you want to come in and shoot the shit? And he, he agreed. He came in and the exact same thing. This like beautifully raw and honest, 
unapologetically just, you know, unfiltered conversation about his experience with cancer, but it was fucking hilarious and it was educational and it was, it was empowering. And so the ball just kind of kept rolling from there. And then, you know, fast forward to today, um, I think we have almost 200 episodes published and we have a list of, excuse me, over almost a thousand people across across the world who applied to come on the show and share their story. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's been it's been quite a journey since we started, but um, that basically kind of puts me where I'm at today. Sure. Yeah. So what do you like? You know, we we haven't talked too much about um, other than the fact that you're you're struggling mentally with um, the the acting career, but just yeah. you know going through the you know CF. Right. I'd imagine there was ups and downs in that process. And like what I was picking up from from doing a lot of the research at one point, you mentally shifted from like this. This is going to be something that takes my life versus this is something that's driving me and motivating me. And and all of that, like, yeah. what, like where, where did that happen? Yeah, that, that was, you know, so I'm 31 now. And, and I, I didn't, I hadn't always spent uh, a life where I was, I was open to talking about my illness and, 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 uh, open to like laughing about it. And there was a long time where I was very ashamed and, and, you know, I would never be caught dead taking, taking my, you know, my medication Mm. in public or, you know, I would always try to cover it up. I always try to hide it. I didn't want to be thought as, thought of as, as different. Um, and actually, even before that, there was there was a time where I didn't even realize the 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 scope of what it meant to have CF. Yeah. Um, it's it's a real it's kind of trippy, but back in the day, my parents uh, and you know, bless them, I have amazing parents. They were they were doing uh, everything that they thought they should have been doing. They were flying by the seat of their pants. They had no fucking idea. Um. And I think they really were trying to do the best that they could. Um, but when I was young, uh, they were told by our medical team, by the IWK, the CF team, not to tell me, not to inform me that cystic fibrosis is actually fatal. So their, their whole philosophy was like, don't tell Jeremy. He'll find out on his own. And then when he finds out, he'll come to you with questions. And then you guys can have that whole conversation about mortality and, and what it means to live with a you know, life-shortening illness, yada, yada. Yeah. So I turned 10, somewhere around 10 years old. And again, blissfully unaware that I'm living with a disease that's going to shorten my lifespan, statistically speaking, until I find this pamphlet at home that was intended for my teachers. It was like a, it was like a, you know, everything to know about cystic fibrosis for, for the student that you have in your class. Here's, here's a rundown on, on the, the disease, what it means, you know, yada, yada. So I, I, for whatever reason, open this pamphlet up and I start reading through it. And there was a sentence in there and it was, it was, uh, cystic fibrosis is a fatal genetic disease. And I, it's, I, it's so funny. I talk about how I recognize the word fatal because I, I was like a hardcore Mortal Kombat player. Like I fucking loved Mortal Kombat too. So I was like, fate, fatal. (laughs) <laughs> I know I, that I know word. That. I know that word. Uh, but it was the next part of the sentence that like that really just rocked me. And it was um, 
the average life expectancy of someone living with cystic fibrosis is 30 years of age. And like that, I, I will never forget how, how it was like I was running full speed, just straight into a brick wall. Yeah. You know, it was, it was one of those moments in life where, and we've all had those moments in life where you're just, you're so struck by what you've just witnessed or, or, or read or heard that you, you almost like, it just doesn't really compute. Yeah. And I was trying to make sense of it all, you know, and, and one of the things that ran through my mind was like, I'm 10. So that means that I can only do everything I've done in my life up to now two more times. And then that's it. Like that's all, that's the, that's all the time I have left, man. Yeah. And so what I didn't do was what the IWK CF team said I would do. I didn't go to my parents. I took that information and I, I guess I just took it and stuffed it as far down as I could. And I went on with life. I went on with life and uh, it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I actually had a conversation with my parents about it. But I clearly was thinking about it. Sure. Because um, uh, the way my mom found out that I knew, because this was totally fucking my parents up. Like my mom and my dad, they were like, Every time we would go to clinic, they were like, he hasn't, he hasn't said anything to us. He hasn't told us yet. Yeah. Uh, like, what, do we bring it up? Do we bring it up? I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. For years, they kept saying that. Until one day, my mom gets a call from, I think it was my English teacher. And my English teacher was like, Maxine, my mom, Maxine, uh, Maxine, uh, have you read Jeremy's like, autobiography that he wrote? It's, it's quite something. And I, I really feel like if, he, if he, you haven't seen it, I think it's very important that you read it. And so my mom, I remember her coming to me, be like, hey, I heard you wrote an autobiography for, uh, for your like English class. And, uh, you know, typical like teenage boy. I'm like, yeah, so what? And she's <laughs> like, well, I'd like to see it. And I'm like, absolutely not. And I was just trying to like keep it from her for whatever yeah. reason. I, I don't even think it cl- dawned on me why she wanted to see it. Um, but so, you know, my mom, total snoop, went through my shit, found it and read through it. And in it, there was a section about my future and it was this very, very sad, sad piece about how, um, how knowing that I'm living with a disease that's likely going to take my life by or before my 30s, I, I don't even want to like entertain the idea of falling in love or, mm. or like having a kid or like those things made me feel so so weak and so useless. And I, and I, I wrote that. I can't, I honestly, I can't even believe I wrote out what I wrote out because I read it now and I go, Holy shit. Have times changed? But my mom read this and she was devastated. Her heart just shattered into a million pieces. And she didn't come to me. She didn't come to me or say anything because she didn't know how to bring it up. She didn't know what to say. And so we spent all this time, knowing this thing, but none of us talking about it. Mm. And then eventually it, it, it all came to a, you know, this big explosion of a, of a, um, a sort of, it came to a head and it just, it, it exploded out during a, a family dinner at Christmas time. 
and it was very messy, very messy. I was like back from university. My sister was there, my mom and my dad. We all just start freaking out at each other. My sister's like, what the fuck is going on? It was, <laughs> going it was just so crazy. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so, you know, that, I don't even know what your question was, but, <laughs> but, uh, well, it, it was, the, the question was, first of all, thank you for sharing that and being so open. But the question was around, like, when did you, mentally shift from right yeah right right. so so thank you for (laughs) thank you for bringing me back in there i got lost in my my own my my past there it was like a total blast from the past doing some time travel um it was i think it was around that time when i wrote that autobiography okay you know i wrote that out and and to be able to to see that on paper to see what i wrote to see you know not just thinking it but literally writing it out on paper and reading back to myself, this is how you feel about your life. That gave me right there in that moment, I had two options, right? Two paths to go down. One of which was continue to let this consume me and, and have an effect on the, the decisions that I make day to day because of fear or put my foot down and go, Absolutely not. You're not going to let this control your life. Own what you have. If you're going to die by 30, you better start living now. That means you're in your midlife right now. You're 16. You're halfway through your life. Make some decisions. Make moves. Do something. Enjoy it. And so it was like, it was this almost powerful like, oh, yeah. Let's go. You know, maybe, yeah, you know what? Maybe I don't, maybe I won't have kids. And I don't even have to think about having kids. I don't have to think about getting married. I'm 16. What the fuck are you talking about? Grow up, you know, go touch a boob and, and, yeah. and smoke some cigarettes or, and drink, you know, some liquor, like live your life, dude. Don't, don't wallow in this. What are you doing? And so it's funny. It was around the same time that I got into improv and I started to realize my, my, like, you know, I, I, I was thinking about how it's my one true passion. I loved paddling. I loved it. But when I hit improv, when I started acting, it was like, whoa, I'm tapping into something that feels really good. Okay, you know what? I always thought I wanted to go to school and, and study something that would like financially fulfill me. Fuck that. I'm going to go to acting school. That's the worst financial. De- that, if anyone listening right now, it's the worst financial decision you can ever make in your entire life. And it is. But I was so rich. I felt so rich in, in being able to just do what felt good, what felt right and, and not allowing whatever, whatever out there, not allowing any other sort of outside stimuli to like, to tell me whether I should or shouldn't. No, I only got 15 years left. Sorry. I gotta, I gotta live now because I'm running out of time. And I like, I guess I just like became like a hedonist, you know, it was just like, whatever feels good, do it. Feels good, do it. You know? Yeah. It's so interesting because, you know, I I have to bring it up because I mean, I spend my days now talking to people and not 16 year olds typically, but people like 30 and above and trying to help people (laughs) see the importance of taking a minute to reflect. And in our case, obviously we're doing that through and expressing what you're, what you're thinking, which is exactly what you did mm-hmm. at 16, right? Which gave you that, okay, well, which path am I going to take? And it, it, it took that act of getting it out of your head on paper, right? Yeah. Which, 
you know, most, most people don't do until later in life. And obviously because of the situation, you're forced to, to kind of accelerate that. Right. It's, um, uh, it just, it just goes to show. And we talked, we, we talked a little bit about this before. It's like when you're in extremes, if we can show like, and this is an extreme mm. case, right? Like how can you take those tools and, and, the, and the mindset that, that sits behind all of that and, and use that for, for everyone else that may not be in an extreme because mm-hmm. it, it's just as valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But like we are all in, in, within that extreme. Oh, totally. You know, like that. Like I can walk out of here and get hit by a bus. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, or you might not, you might live until you're seven, but that's not that 70 is not long. That's not a long time in the span of time. Yeah. You know, we're all in that extreme. It's just that for whatever reason, we, we label it. Not for whatever reason. We're, we're death phobic. We don't, we don't want to think about it. We don't want to think about it. Right. So we avoid it. But when we do start really thinking and meditating on how finite life really is, I mean, that can have some wickedly profound effects on the way that you live your life. Now, some of, some of those effects are, are very positive. Some probably aren't so positive. You know, like, sure. like I said, I, 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 uh, I thought I was going to be dead by 30. I'm, I'm 31. Yeah. And I'm starting now to go, oh, man. You didn't say you, you don't have a retirement fund. You didn't you like you weren't thinking about the future. You know, there's start I'm now starting to go, okay, maybe rain it back. You've lived you've lived your 30 years. Now it's time to like get, maybe get a little more responsible. Okay. Um but all of the all of the positive that came from living the life that I wanted to live until at my my expiry date in quotations. Yeah. was amazing, you know. Yeah. And what what have you gotten out of just you know, speaking because you like speaking about expiry dates or mm-hmm. death and and all of that. It it is something that most people fear, right? And um, I think was it a quote that I think you dropped this quote somewhere. Um, but just just the idea that if you're you know people that live fearing death are are actually yeah. fearing life itself, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time powerful yeah and and like that that quote is my i live i i live by that when i first read that quote i remember going oh that's what i've been doing like it was such a wake-up call like that that i that's me i'm doing that yeah i gotta i gotta like fucking make sure as many people hear this as many people take that and and like sit on that for a minute as I possibly can, because it, it's so true. Like if we, if we fear, if we fear death, how the hell are we going to like live out our life? Yeah. You know, we, we got, you got to let go of that. It's inevitable. It's so sure. inevitable. Sure. It's just going to happen. It's, and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Well, and there's so many, there's so many other parallels just to really, anything that we're fearing, like fearing our finances or this yeah. or that, like, you, you know, you could just live in that, that stress nonstop. Yeah. And like, you know, to your point, I mean, you know, we're all going to expire at one point, but you know, if you're living from now until you're 70 in that environment of stress, like what kind of life is that? What exactly? Right. Yeah. So, um, I want to talk to you about Jeremy just or, or, or pull some of the 
some of the mental fitness practices that I mean, you you brought up one that was a was a was a shift for you, but like, what about on the day to day basis? Where I'm sure, you know, as powerful as your mind seems, you know, f- living with with something like CF, uh, I'm sure you have lows, right? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like like any human in this in this world. So, what has helped? Like, what what are some of the non negotiables in your life that you know you're traveling right now that you, you, know, you need to get in, and mm. if you stop doing them, you feel it. Yeah, um, I mean, there, there's a few. Um, one of the, I guess, like one of the perks of having a, a a lung disease is that you really are constantly reminded of how hard it is to breathe. You know. Um, so my lung function is is in the low 50% range. And, uh, and I mean, things could be a lot worse than that. But when you, when you think about it for a moment, like when you apply that, that percentage to your functionality, your, your, your ability to breathe, um, it, it really does change the way that you go about your day. Um, and so one of the things that I, that I do every single day is just, pause wherever I'm at. Usually it's like the first thing in the morning and I just take one super mindful breath, hmm. just one breath. And like there's, I, you know, I know there's a, I, there's a lot of, um, the idea of like a mindful breath of like having a mindful practice of breath, uh, of, of, you know, following the inhale and following the exhale and just letting it sort of flow in and out. I'm I'm not talking about that sort of Zen practice of breathing, like in and out. I'm talking what, just one yeah. big, beefy breath. And at the top of the inhale, just holding it for a minute and really just feeling the effects of that inhale and then sighing it out and letting that sigh like really go. And it's like, oh, it feels so good. And it's just that reminder of like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. You can still breathe. Yeah, it's still there. Someday you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Which and every goes, day... Which goes for all of us, that's, right? It goes for all of us. Yeah. And every day it's, you know, it's going to get a little bit... It's going to be a little bit harder and yeah. a little bit harder. Um, so that that's definitely one like non-negotiable. Um, another one, which is... Uh, this one actually comes from my wife. She... She has this... Uh, beautiful ability to remind myself to just feel my feet yeah. planted into the earth. Uh, that was a big one that we took from theater school. So I actually met my wife in at Ryerson theater school. Okay. And, uh, a big part of, of acting and, 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 uh, you know, the, the training to become an actor is, is just getting into your body and being very in tune with your body. Um, and feeling grounded is, has always like, it doesn't matter what kind of acting training you're going through. Like feeling grounded is so key to being present to, to be able to like deliver any sort of performance. And so Bridie, my wife, um, she, she's constantly reminding me to just like plant your feet, feel grounded. Just take a moment with your feet planted. That's it. Yeah. And that's another one that I just like, I'll catch myself, you know, on a plane and it's been a fucking just crazy day. I almost didn't get there. Security line was nuts. And like before I was firing off a hundred emails and I get through, I just get on the plane. I'm sweating. I'm in the middle seat between like 
two people that clearly are not like fans of flight. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, this is a fuck me. God, get me out of here. And then in my head, I'll just hear Brady go, plant your feet. And I just sit there, plant my feet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Feel your body. Okay. Yeah. Everything's good. Everything's all right. You know, um, it's, I have to, so oh, both yeah. of those things are like the, to me, what comes to mind is that they're, they're methods to pull out of autopilot and yeah. right. We're, and unfortunately like society, it's not our fault. We're society where we're, it's just set up to throw us on those speaking of the airport, but like those people movers yeah. and just keep spitting people out. Right. So Typically, I, I would say on average, like someone would not take the time and say, you know what, it's all right, I'm grounded. And then all of a sudden, stress, 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 stress. Just and builds and builds and builds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it, shockingly, we have a mental health crisis. That's right. right. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's almost not a surprise. But as that stress is building, if you can just, if you can strip the floor out from underneath it, just by easily planting totally. your feet or just taking that one big breath in, holding it for three seconds and just feeling the oxygen yeah. coursing through your body and then sign it out you know yeah. and it's not it's not a permanent fix you got it's a it's a continual practice you got to do it yeah. you got to do it over and that's over that's why they're called over. practices that's why they're called practices yeah. yeah you just do it just keep continue to do it what um, about yoga speaking of yeah. practices I yeah know you're you're big into that yeah so um uh oddly enough i i fell i found the practice of yoga kind of um sort of accidentally, I guess. Um, I was, I was at Ryerson theater school. Uh, it was my first year, I think. And again, the, a really big part of that, that training was, was being very in tune with our bodies. And so we had a, we had a movement class every single day and we had a voice class every single day. And both of those classes, very, very linked in that both of them focused on, on, really trying to get you in tune with what is happening within your body hmm. for voice class. It was all breath. It was all breath work, how to take your voice and project, but also how to breathe properly to be on stage. Um, which, Oh my God, as like a just sort of side note as a CF therapy. Oh my God. It was amazing. It was so, it was so amazing. And then movement, uh, movement class was, it was this, uh, our teacher, her name was Pippa. Um, she, she was incredible. She, she sort of like had this hybrid of, of Pilates and, and, um, Pilates and yoga, uh, th- that she sort of threw into the class. And then, and then, you know, we'd, we'd do really crazy, weird theater things where we just like pretend to be a, a dog <laughs> in packs barking at each other for, you know, for fucking like an hour. And, uh, but again, all in all to sort of get us into our bodies to know, all right, well, this is our tool. We're going to be moving. How do we move? How do we move like, you know, effectively? How do we move with, um, with purpose? <clears throat> so I all those no idea oh, how this was going down. It's, it's so amazing. Honestly, like theater training is, is, I, I feel like it should be a, re- a requirement for everybody. Sure. Like it, it would be so useful and so helpful for everybody in the entire planet to have, you know, a background in like check off technique. It, yeah. it, it really would have an effect on the way we go about our days, the way that we interact with one another, the way that we feel about our, our own physical body, our own physical health. Um, anyway, so, so these two things, uh, we, were, we were doing this every single day, every single day, like six days a week. Okay. It was very intense. Um, and, 
we were we were kind of winding down the semester and I was kind of at this point now I'm like addicted to it. You know, I'm looking for, okay, uh, what summer's coming up. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Like I got to find something to continue this because I was I was really just feeding off of it. And Bridie, who was who was uh, in my class at the time, we were we were just pals. Okay. Uh, she she's a yoga instructor, and she was like, "Hey, I'm teaching a class up in North York. Do you want to do you want to come up and take the class?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." So I hopped on the subway, went up to North York. Uh, it was the Moksha Studio, now Moto, um, hot yoga studio. I go in, I take the class. And it was a one hour practice, standing series, floor series, followed by like, you know, a nice 10 minute Shavasana. And I remember laying there in Shavasana. I'd never sweat more in my entire fucking life. (laughs) Just soaking wet. My heart is pounding. And I, I never felt such a, an immense sense of full body bliss. Wow. So I, I don't know what happened. I just, I tapped into something and I laid there far beyond the amount of time I was supposed to. I think the, like the studio trade who was there to like mop up the floor. She's just mopping around me. <laughs> and I was laying there. The reason I didn't get up was because I was, I had this, this physical sensation in the, the, like the pit of my, my solar plexus. And the only way I can describe it was, was it was like a, I was having a, an orgasm out of my heart. I was having like a full on, like bust in a nut out of my heart, <laughs> out of my chest. And, and I didn't want to leave it. Sure. I was like, I want this to last forever. Yeah. This feels so good. And I, I laid in it for as long as I could. And then finally I kind of got kicked out of the studio and I come into the lobby and Bridie was there and she was like, how was your class? And I was like, I had a chest orgasm. <laughs> and she was like, what? Love what that first sight. What is that? She's like, I had a chest orgasm. I don't even know. I had, a, I had this, this crazy thing. I don't know what happened. I, but it was amazing. Thank you so much. And that was the, that was the first class I ever took. And, and I, I sort of, I started practicing pretty regularly after that chasing that one. The orgasm. The orgasm on the chest. Um, and then the chase just eventually became like, oh, this is part of my life now. Okay. And and a few de- years later, or I guess like a, a year and a half or two years later, I ended up going to Brazil to take my teacher training. It, I, I did the Moksha teacher training in Brazil 2011. And uh, oddly enough, that's exactly where I met Taylor, okay. who ended up becoming the co-host of Sick Boy with me. Interesting. Yeah. It's so, uh, yoga keeps coming up on the show because it's... Um, well, it totally makes sense, you know. It's, yeah, it's, but it, but it comes up in like this. What I love, it comes up way deeper than what Instagram perceives yoga. Hundred like percent, a pose like that's 100%. just a fraction of the pra- practice, right? Yeah, like you're not just having chest orgasms from no, you know no. a downward dog. No, exactly. <laughs> and most of the poses, most of the poses that you're you're you are you know. Uh, really getting the benefits of that practice are, are the poses that, you know, you're not going to be putting on Instagram anyway. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like, like laying ooh. out Shavasana. It's like, Ooh, that's a <laughs> sweet Shavasana, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, see, that's, that's the funny thing about yoga is like a lot of people go start yoga. They start their practice. This is what I loved about Moksha was people come to the studio and they're like, Oh, hot yoga. Cool. Great. Summer's coming up. I got to shed these pounds. Yeah. And you're like, <clears throat> yeah, sure. Come on in. Come on in. You're going to do a, 
excuse me, you're going to do a 30 day challenge or, you know, your 30 day intro month. Great. Come on in. We'll shed those pounds off you. And then they come in and they do the practice and they think, yeah, I'm sweating. I'm getting it all out. This is like my workout for the day. But what they don't know is that yoga is very sneaky. It's this very sneaky little ninja that even if you don't realize that you're doing, that you're meditating, you are meditating. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that kind of sneaks up on you before you know it. And then next thing you know, you show up to your practice and you're like, oh, oh, right. Totally. I'm not here to get a, a you know, to blast my ass into shape. Yeah. I'm here because this is slowing me down. I'm here because after 29 days of that 30 day intro month, I've been told, follow your inhale, follow your exhale 7,000 times. And now I'm doing that. And now I'm seeing how that's having a huge effect on when I walk off the mat, out of the studio and into my job where I'm sitting at the desk doing whatever, you know? So it's, it's, uh, you might start with that, that sort of, I want to make my Instagram look hot. But then the next thing you know, the real benefits come in. Oh yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And it's, it's something we're living too with Keo. It's, it's, it's like, that's kind of why we feel socially obligated to keep pushing through our own highs and lows because we know that, you know, one question, it's not the one question. It's, it's, it's the act of taking a bit of time to slow down and reflect on that, that holds so much opportunity to then be exposed to yoga, to meditation, Mm -hmm. to all of these almost um, endless amount of practices that are essentially like superpowers that like we're not inventing this stuff. It's been around forever. Forever. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's not, it's not something to prove that it works. It's just a matter of how can we talk about these things in a narrative that doesn't shut people down Mm -hmm. and allows for people to at least experience their first 30 days or that one question or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. So Thanks for sharing that because I, I feel like we we need to have more of those conversations to, you know, resonate with people. Be like, you know what? I want to I want to try that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And maybe it's not yoga. Maybe for you, yeah, it's like nah, whatever you works. Know what? Go for a run. Maybe it's a run. Maybe it's maybe it's a bar class. Maybe yeah. it's Pilates. Maybe it's a maybe it's Taekwondo. Totally. You know, like you can find yoga anywhere. What is yoga? Yoga. All yoga is is moving meditation. Yeah. Soccer can be yoga. You know, like moving your paddling for me. Paddling was fucking yoga, dude. Yeah. I got in the, when I got in the zone, every stroke, every stroke was so mindful. Totally. Every stroke had such purpose and every breath had to go with that stroke. If you, if you really like get into that flow state of any physical activity that you do, that is yoga. Yeah. It's magic. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Amazing. Well, I want to respect your time, Jeremy, and we'll, we'll start wrapping a bit. Uh, you've left so many amazing practices to, um, I think, easily get people going, uh, mm-hmm. frankly, just with one breath. I mean, I think th- there's nothing more powerful than that, in, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. Uh, one thing I do want to ask you, though, just back to the prompts or the questions is, and if you think about on a either daily basis or during big life changing events, are there, can you provide three reflective questions that you find yourself asking yourself on, like I said, either a frequent basis or, or during big events that um, have helped you? Good question. Whatever. And, and they don't have to be these crazy deep profit type questions. Yeah, like yeah, whatever yeah. comes to mind. Yeah. 
Well, definitely one that comes to mind quite often is, um, is this going to serve you? Is this going to serve you or benefit you in the time that you have left? You know, again, I, I still do come back constantly to that time, that idea of like, you don't have much time. You don't have much time. So is this something that is going to serve you within that time limit that you have? <clears throat> That's one question that I find myself asking, you know, all the time. Um, is there a story there? That's, that's another one, you know, like, is it like, again, I, I still, I alluded to it earlier, but, uh, being okay with getting in trouble just for the laugh. I, I, I still find myself doing that when it comes to, to different experiences, but it's, it's, you know, whether it's for the laugh or whether it's for the experience or whether it's for a really good story to tell over beers, you know, later that day. Well, if you think of both podcasts, I mean, we didn't even touch the ter- uh, to uh, the Turn Me On podcast. Right, yeah. I mean, both of those, you're like demystifying, I mean, sex and death, essentially, mm-hmm. um, through really interesting ways, right? Which totally resonates with that question. Yeah, right. Absolutely, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's no shortage of interesting stories that have come out of that podcast. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Uh, so, it, will this serve me? Is, it, it, is there a story there? And... Um, and is this an opportunity for growth? Which I guess kind of falls in with, it, will it serve me? But, but um, I, I find that uh, I've been really thinking a lot lately about how, how, how sometimes the worst moments of our entire life are, it's very easy to, to not see the, the, the positive that exists within those experiences. And, you know, opportunity for growth is, is found so richly in those, in those moments in life where we are very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's, whether it's a really positive experience and, uh, or a moment in my life um, and asking, is this an opportunity for growth? Or even in those moments where it's like, this, is, this may be the worst day of my life. Is this an opportunity for growth? How can I grow from this? You know, I feel like that's such a key question for yeah. anybody to ask themselves um, in, in any, any aspect, any, you know, any part of that, that pendulum, that back and forth of like sh- shit days to the most incredible days of your life. Yeah. Is this an opportunity for growth? Like finding growth in any of those spots in life, I think is just so key. Well, just, I think, it, you know, it just grounds you in that moment, right? I, I like how you use both, like the, the top and the bottom. Yeah. Right? Because it's... Because it's, you'll grow from both. You totally. know, you're, I mean, when you, when you really succeed at something, yes, that, that is, that's, that, that's you growing. That is growth right there. Totally. But when you're in the pits of the pits of the pits, you can choose, right? Those two roads. You can choose to wallow in it and let it affect you and let it consume you, or you can choose to grow. Or you can choose to take that other path. Love it. Let it play out. Go through the shit. You know, get through the other side, but then look back and go, okay, cool. What can I take from that and and move forward into my life? Well, and then just knowing that that is just a moment in time. Right? Everything is temporary. Yeah. Your totally. life is temporary. This this planet is temporary. Everything is temporary. Totally. You know. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, last question for you. You know irrespective of the work, your, 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 your journey, all, all that stuff. Like, like what truly makes you smile each day? (laughs) 
each day. What truly makes me smile each day? Low-hanging fruit, man. Honestly, like, there's, uh, there's nothing... There's nothing that makes me smile more than than a good fart, you know, or or like or just seeing, you know, like there's this there's this there's these videos I've been watching recently of like cats gagging. Oh my <laughs> Always god. Always back to cats. It's the best. It's the I've never there, I, I don't think there's anything that make me laugh harder than a cat gagging. Just low-hanging <laughs> fruit. I mean anything anything like f- seeing someone fall but like they're 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 okay. Yeah, you yeah, know, like okay. that Put that, note. that kills me. Um I, I know that wasn't the answer you were looking for, but but I'm uh, not looking for any answer. <laughs> but yeah, I've always been a. I remember my drama teacher, um, Aaron Morris, who to even to this day, like she's she's changed my life completely, and I I love her to death, and we still meet up on on the regular. And I remember her and I sitting in her in her class. Um, school had been out; I, everyone was gone. It was just her and I, and and she she saw the, you know, the humor within me and she saw the, my ability to make people smile, make people laugh, but she hates low hanging fruit. Like she hates the, you know, the easy laughs. And she, she just asked me like, why, why do you, why do you, why are you drawn to that so much? Cause you're better than that. And I, and I just couldn't help but feel like it, no, it's not about being better or not better than that. It's, that's funny. It's funny. There's a reason why it's funny. You know, there's a reason why people still laugh at a, at a baby farting because <laughs> farts are funny. <laughs> totally. They're funny, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I always, I'm always look, I'm always looking for those, those moments to laugh at the things that might make a lot of people just roll their eyes. But you know what I love about how you answered that is that it took the conversation full circle to how, yeah. how you, how we started this. Right. And to me, it just goes back to you being a super authentic person about who you are and how you're living your life. And it's a gift, honestly, you know, for, for, I think for all of us listening to this and, and cause it provides a different perspective on how we can go about our day and really just take a little bit of seriousness out of every damn moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, lighten up a bit, mm-hmm. you know, and find those, those, cat gagging videos and and have a great day <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely you know yeah I, yeah it's i don't know it, we uh i can be serious i get pretty serious sometimes but also i don't know the, the laughs i want to that if i if i if i could think of the one way you know where, where people are like hey if you like what's the what's your ideal death like what's the ideal way for you to die my ideal death is to see something so funny like you, you know, you know. There's the spit take. Someone takes a drink, poof, spit yeah. their water out, and then there's the the piss take, where you make someone laugh so hard they piss themselves. <laughs> okay, you got the shit take, the puke take too. All right, we'll get through it. I want a death take. I wanna. I want something to make me laugh so hard that I laugh the breath of life right out of me. That's the like that. I just want that so badly. I know that's probably not the way it's going to happen, but if I'm on my deathbed, that's what I'm searching for. That one thing that's just going to make me laugh so hard. I conked out. I mean, two things. I can't think of a better way to end the show. (laughs) And two, I mean, I support that message. I mean, going out laughing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really, uh, you know, a beautiful thing. So thank you so much for, for 
again, sharing your story, um, sharing some of your mental fitness practices. And most importantly, from, from myself and everyone listening, just for you being you and honestly, you know, devoting your life um, to helping others and, and really sharing your story and your mindset. You know, you, you know this, but I think give yourself a bit of a pat on the back too every now and then because I know you're grinding away and pushing, but you're making a lot of really incredible impact in, in this world. So thank you. Thanks a lot. Yes, you made it to the end of the conversation. Thank you so much for your attention. And if you enjoyed the chat, leave us a little love wherever you're listening. Stars or views, they go a long way. Don't forget, you can find all of these guests along with a ton of powerful reflective prompts in our digital journaling app, Kyo, K-Y-O. Search it in the Apple App Store and it'll pop up. Wishing you the absolute best in your mental fitness and an incredible day.